0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You are listening to Beyond the Sig, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. This podcast is developed in collaboration with the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy and their Flip the Pharmacy team and paid for through CDC grant funding provided by the Pennsylvania Department of Health to the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association broadcasted exclusively on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. If you didn't document it, it didn't happen. In this
1: episode of Beyond the Sig, Stephanie McGrath sits down with Josh Howland of Pioneer Rx and Kristen Hartzel of Hartzell's Pharmacy to discuss how technology is supporting pharmacists in documenting their impact on patient care in an unprecedented way. Documentation through the pharmacist's eCare plan is a key component of the Flip the Pharmacy initiative and a driver in community pharmacy practice innovation. But at the end of the day, it's just a story about a patient.
2: Welcome back to Beyond the SIG, your prescription for transformative pharmacy care. This is Stephanie McGrath, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Pharmacist Care Network. I'm pleased today to be hosting an episode focused on technology and how the pharmacist's eCare plan is supporting practice transformation. I'm joined today by two pharmacist colleagues, Josh Howland, VP of Clinical Strategy for Pioneer Rx Pharmacy Software, and Kristen Hartzell, co-owner of Hartzell's Pharmacy in Catasauqua, PA, PPCN and CPSN Luminary and Flip the Pharmacy Coach. Josh and Kristen, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie.
2: Uh, We're so glad to have you both today um, to talk about a subject that so many pharmacists, um, myself included, sometimes struggle to fully wrap our minds around. Um, So, Josh, maybe you can start off um, by helping us understand what is an e-care plan and why should community pharmacists care?
3: Sure. I mean, the the easiest, best way to explain it simply is an e-care plan is just a story about a patient, right? If you think about what healthcare professionals have done since they were... Really starting to structure a profession is you have to figure out what's going on with your patient know all the objective things there needs to know temperature vitals a one c things like that. And then be able to assess that patient plan right that's your typical old school soap note that we all learned in school. The care plan is just a dynamic version of that, right? You're going to have a plan each time you see the patient, and that plan starts the first time you meet them, and that plan ends when you no longer see them anymore. Um, So the the easiest way is it's a longitudinal journey of what you've done for that patient over time. Um, And that sentence alone is why it's important to community pharmacy. If you can't tell a cohesive story about how you help your patients, you don't add value to the healthcare system, and community pharmacy ends up in a lot of trouble without being able to do that.
2: Thanks, Josh. That's a really uh, great example or great analogy of, of what e care plans mean. I think that storytelling aspect, when you said a story about a patient, I think really uh, resonated. Um, Kristen, what does e care planning mean to you as a community pharmacist and an owner?
1: You know, as a community pharmacist who's been aspiring to do many different clinical things in our pharmacy over the past you know 10 15 years or so um, it's an opportunity and a way for us to document all the amazing things that we're already doing in pharmacy as well as open the doors to other new things that you know we haven't even thought of or dreamed of yet so really having this opportunity and this format in a technical manner where we can document the care that we're providing in an efficient manner right we've always had different ways to document in community pharmacy and it's not always been efficient so it hasn't always worked out so well for us Um, but the more efficient the tech, the tech solution is the better off we're going to be with it and we can truly show everyone what we're already doing in pharmacy and what we're capable of providing to our customers
2: excellent thank you so much Kristen. so uh, i know for uh, Josh, we get a lot of questions from our pharmacists. Now, Kristen, as a coach, you get a lot of this, too, and you're you know, constantly addressing um, the difference between documentation and billing. There's you need documentation in order to bill, um, but is e-care planning billing?
3: And so, you're going to get the always famous, it depends, answer. <laughs> um, so, the e-care plan itself was built as a clinical documentation tool, right? That's the telling of the story and wrapping all of that story in objective facts. You know, I had an A1C of 13, and now it's down to nine. How did I get there, right? So that's your story that you're telling. In some cases, especially early on in the eCare plan adventure, the act of submitting an eCare plan was billed as an event, right? I saw my patient. I submitted an eCare plan. I got paid for it. Um, Part of that is due to the limitations of how pharmacists currently bill for services, namely that they don't, right? We bill for, I gave you a drug. It's a commodity billing, right? It's transactional. Um, So there is a gap between what payers can accept. And in a lot of places, payers, meaning your health plans, didn't even credential pharmacists until, what? last year. Um, Many still don't. Um, So there was kind of this gap of we don't know how to pay pharmacists and we don't know how to bill for services in the pharmacy world. So just submit a care plan and we'll figure it out later was kind of the first step in that iteration. Um, But the eCare plan format actually does accept, you know, things like CPT and HCPCS codes that you can put into the care plan itself. Um, And that usually gets wrapped in what's called an X12 format. And the X12 format is really what the rest of the world in terms of healthcare bills for services, right? Um, Essentially, that's just a digital form of the HICFA 1500, which is what the CMS universal claim form. Um, So, as the eCare plan advances and grows, you'll start to see more places embed Billing codes into the eCare plan and let the technology vendor take that and actually create a, an X12 billable format from it. So long story short, it is and it isn't. Um, today it kind of is.
2: I think that's good news that um, it c- can be in uh, cer- certain circumstances or that, you know, possibly that is the goal uh, going forward, um, that that technology exists and it has that capability. Um, so you mentioned CPT, um, but there's another type of code that we're hearing a lot about, especially through flip to pharmacy in the change packages called a SNOMED code. Um, can you tell us a little bit, what, what is a SNOMED code, and why is this piece, uh, piece critical to documentation?
3: Sure. So, a SNOMED code is, for lack of a better word, the Rosetta Stone of pharma- or for uh, healthcare terminology, really. So, if you think about how many different ways a pharmacist could say, I immunized a patient, right? You could say, I gave them a vaccine. Some may say, I gave them a flu vaccine. Some may abbreviate and just call it a vax. So, you know, there's probably 30 different ways to say, I provided this patient some type of vaccine. What the SNOMED code is, it's a structured definition behind it so that no matter what English term you use, it's actually tied to a real, like a a unique code. Um, In that way, technology systems, pharmacy systems, EHRs, health information exchanges, they're all speaking the same language, right? So that's your your structured backbone of codes. Um, In that way, it's very much like an NDC. Each drug has the very own identical or identifier in the NDC and so that way when you submit that 14 digit NDC, you get the same drug every time. SNOMED code is essentially that for describing clinical documentation. Um, And the cool part is it's an international standard. So if we get to a point where you know, I go to England and have some kind of medical procedure. In theory, I could share an eCare plan from England to my primary care provider here in Texas, and both systems are speaking the exact same language. Um, it's a really cool thing.
2: That's great, thank you. And I hope that that helps our listeners um, kind of wrap their minds around what what all of those codes mean and um, help to break it down for us. Um, So, Kristen, I know as you now coach, I think, nine pharmacies in the Flip the Pharmacy program, um, how have you seen pharmacies either embrace or struggle with using technology to support this practice transformation that we're promoting through Flip the Pharmacy?
1: Yeah, you know, the one thing that just kind of echoing what Josh was talking about with the e-care planning and the billing, right, just to kind of add on to that a little bit, when I was listening to that, I'm thinking, you know, in pharmacy, we're used to billing a drug and you know, our documentation is the script. Um, that we receive from the doctor. So this whole opportunity provides us to, if we're going to get into medical billing and build things this way for clinical services, we have to be able to have the documentation on the back end. So it ties that all together. Um, And that's kind of been that missing piece of our puzzle that we haven't had all this time for in community pharmacy to do this. Um, The challenges that I've been seeing, not only, you know, with the pharmacies that I coach, but in our own individual pharmacy is it's something new. Um, You know, and, and everyone in... Pharmacy, you know, we always get a little bit, struggle struggle a little bit with the change um, in the technology of it. And um, we've tried so many different ways to document our care over the years that in some cases we've recognized how cumbersome it is. So we're almost a little bit jaded to it too. You know, we're like, oh, I, I don't have time to document that. I've tried that before. Um, where in reality, what um, when the pharmacies get in there and they start doing it in these in these new systems and these new platforms, they find out it's really not that difficult. Um, it's just kind of getting over the hump there and getting those first couple of documentations in and figuring out where to find things and um, understanding what you're trying to document is so important. It's not just about getting it in, but, you know, what did you actually provide and what are you documenting and why? Um, and, and so there's a learning curve there with that entire process that um, we're seeing. I'm seeing it every pharmacy that I coach and um, of course everyone's trying to figure out how to work into workflow right what's the easiest way to work into workflow so every pharmacy has found different ways to do it because every pharmacy is so different Um, but to the best of everyone's ability to actually make it part of their normal everyday flow that's what we're encouraging people to do Um, you know early on in the flip the pharmacy process you know, people would take a list of what they were doing throughout the day, and then they go home late at night, and then they document all their e-care plans. And and that might have been good to get comfortable in the beginning, but we really want it to be a part of everything that we do every single day um, as we're taking care of our patients and documenting it and having it be streamlined. And we've seen it come a long way in a year. It's been really amazing to see all these pharmacies grow and learn how to work it in and learn how to document the amazing care they're providing.
2: Yeah, that's great news to hear that that they can change, they can, you know, incorporate into workflow. Um, and Kristen, we get a lot of questions also about um, a comprehensive medication review, I think. And is an e-care, I think there's maybe, um, in, in some cases, the assumption that you, in order to document an e-care plan, or maybe an, an e-care plan is only worthy of something like a comprehensive medication review. Um, can you, yeah, so tell me a little bit about yeah, I
1: think that's in, ingrained in our brains, right? I mean, I know when I graduated pharmacy school, that's how you approached every single patient care interaction. You did this comprehensive medication review and you broke it down by disease state and you tackled them one at a time. Um, but the reality of it is, we're providing care in so many different ways that isn't just a comprehensive medication review. You know, sitting there and evaluating someone's need for immunizations and you know, checking the state registries and determining what they need and where they are. I mean, that's a service that is so crucial and vital and a a huge part that we play in the healthcare community, but that's not necessarily a whole comprehensive medication plan. So I think we kind of got stuck in this mindset, um, you know, around the time that Medicare allowed and use that terminology, right? That that pharmacists could do these CMR type things. So certainly you can document a CMR in an e-care plan, but e-care plan does not mean full documented CMR.
3: Right. And Thank you for uh, Let me sneak in and say something potentially insulting to the, uh, the comprehensive medication review. Like Kristen said, a comprehensive medication review can be a part of the e-care plan and is probably the first part of when you start talking to that patient. The e-care plan is meant to be a, a living thing, right? So as you add a medication, you keep track of it. As you discontinue a medication, you keep track of it. So it, it really allows you to not have to do this weird, disjointed CMR. You know, we all did, you know, MTM when it was starting to be the new thing. And you're like, you do a, a CMR with the patient just because it's that time of year again, not because it's timely. And the e plan is meant to be, I see a potential problem, I solve the potential problem, and then I tell everybody about it. And, and that's really where the biggest difference is, and why an e care plan has the potential to be so much more important to pharmacy than a CMR.
2: No, I think that's a really great point, and uh, you know plays off of a point you made earlier, Josh about the fact that an e-care plan is a longitudinal journey about a patient. It's not you know you're capturing these one you know points in time, um, but it is over the course of the patient, the care that you're providing for a patient, which is much more than one point in time for right. sure. So before we started um, recording today, we talked a little bit about some of the data that we have from our, our teams in Pennsylvania and um, just how far we've come in, you know, since October 1st, 2019 in having availability of data um, and how, that, how greatly these numbers have grown in e-care plan submissions from our pharmacies. Um, Josh, you see a lot more data than we do. Um, how do you see this availability of data shaping the future of community pharmacy practice?
3: I mean, the the availability of data is one of those things that's really exciting. And you know, this is an area where I pretend I'm not that old, but got some gray going on in the beard now. You know, I graduated in 2008, and you didn't really hear the term "I'm a pharmacy informaticist" all that often, right? Now every pharmacy school's got an informatics program, and they're doing something about that. You know, this is the amount of data where. You know, we heard this kind of myth of being able to see what's going on with the patient all across the ecosystem, and it never really materialized. But this gives you rich data, it can be really timely. Um, at Pioneer, we see the eCare plan as almost being that way of sharing information with doctors, nurses, occupational therapists on demand, almost like you would email, right? It's just ubiquitous everywhere. Um, And that data gives you a ton of information, you know, that I did or didn't fill a prescription that goes back to the doctor in real time and why they didn't is data that we've never had before, right? you talk about preventing re-hospitalizations or hospitalizations because of duplications or gaps in therapy. This has the potential to fix all of that before it becomes a problem, and it's really just a... The technology is there. We just have to have more people adopt it and do it. You know, and we see that in the data now. And, you know, a year ago in July, I'll just use July to July, we had almost no e-care plan submitted, right? You could pretty much count them on your hand each month, how many were being submitted. Um, just out of Pioneer in July of 2020, we had sent just a little over 400,000 e-care plans, you know, and that's in a year. So it's going to grow and it's going to grow exponentially. And the amount of things we can do because of that is limited only by the things our regulators keep up with.
2: 400,000 e-care plans. So that's 400,000 touch points that pharmacists have documented of of impact with their patients, of having impact with their patients. That's really amazing.
3: And if if you think about that, that's really only over you know, not every pharmacy is participating in e-care plans at this point. That's about 600 or so pharmacies, maybe 700, are responsible for 400,000 touch points. And I guarantee that's one you... one month? One month, uh, right? No, 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 sorry. That's not over a month. That's, um, that's cumulative in July. 140,000 a month, give or take. Um, but if you think about that, I guarantee you every pharmacy in the... Not every... Every independent pharmacy in the country probably has touch points equal to that. They're just not documenting it, right? So millions and millions of stories not being told because they can't.
2: Well, thank you for giving us the opportunity to, for pharmacists to tell their story. Um, and Kristen, I know that you've, had a, you've heard a lot of stories, <laughs> um, you know, in, interesting stories. Um, but I know you've heard a lot of successes because as the lead for our practice transformation team in Pennsylvania, I've heard a lot of, of your stories of success. Can you share one example of how you've seen a, a pharmacy really succeed and excel in this initiative?
1: Yeah, so um, one of the pharmacies that I coach very early on when we were um, in Flip the pharmacy and started documenting blood pressures, which, um, by the way, having the availability of that data at your fingertips, either by you taking it or by it being sent over to the doctor, totally new to us in community pharmacy, but is so valuable and something that we've seen in you a know, variety of different ways that, it, that we can help the patients. But this one pharmacy individual um, and in particular, what they did is they started checking their um, patients' blood pressures as they were coming in. And this pharmacist was able to make this incredible intervention um, on this woman whose blood pressure was out of control and had her meds mixed up from our doctor. And I mean, you know the story, it's, it's the things that we do every single day. But when you, when you narrow it down and you look at the impact that that pharmacist had on one particular patient and you think, gosh, if she wasn't involved in that, Interaction and she hadn't checked her blood pressure, and she hadn't called the doctor and advocated on her behalf to get those medications switched around and changed, you know, what could have happened um, to that patient and if her blood pressure had continued to be that high and that uncontrolled. And, you know, it's a, it's a story that I think we can all relate to in community pharmacy. We've all made those interventions. You know, the difference is, is now we have a place to document it. We have a place to show it. We have a place to share it um, with other providers as well, which is is just so crucial. And being able to provide that ongoing care to our patients.
2: That's awesome. Thanks, Kristen. And, and you're right; it, it doesn't stop you know you from getting goosebumps every time you hear a story like that. Um, but it is one that I'm sure almost every community pharmacist can tell. Um, so um, we hope that they continue to document, and, and maybe even more so um, after after hearing this, um, Josh. So you've seen you know hundreds of that you know that maybe thousands, probably, of pharmacies um, you know across the country. Um, documenting e-care plans, you know, um, progressing through the split the pharmacy initiative. Can you share uh, a success story maybe that you've seen, um, even outside of Pennsylvania? We think other other things like that outside (laughs) of
3: Pennsylvania. Um, You know, so, you know, you and I were talking earlier before we started this, you know, like one of the pharmacies that has the most submitted care plans in the entire kind of CPSN cohorts actually in Pennsylvania. And six months ago, they weren't on the list, right? So you're talking this pharmacy submitted 2,000 care plans last month. Um, And all that's really around, you know, your med sync. You're getting that whole operational plan in place, which is really kind of the underpinning project of what Flip the Pharmacy was supposed to be, right? Help pharmacies transform from counting by fives into clinical operations. Um, and then when you look at that across a macro level and that was really the cart before the horse with CPSN is we're going to require you to do these care plans we are going to teach you how to document you're going to change your practice and there's nobody to pay for it right now right and so you know even in the last year we've seen the number of places that are you know paying for submission of care plans or doing types of clinical services go from you know zero to over 20 now and it's hard to see when you're you know you're in a small cohort and you don't have a payer yet but they're not only coming but there. other places are starting to look and now we've had a couple of people come to us and say hey we want to pay pharmacists for doing these things what kind of services should we pay for and can you send us a care plan Right. So there's a couple of things in the works around that, you know, across CPSN, across, you know, Pioneer and other, you know, vendors across the country. You're starting to see payers come and say, hey, how can you help us? Not having to go to them and beg for, hey, will you take my care plan and I can show you how good I am. So it, for me, that success was finally, finally crossing that hump of somebody besides us shouting about how amazing a care plan is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know you you brought up a lot of really great points and things that we've seen here as well, um, and just you know the interest from payers because you know until this point you know, we did not have this abundance of data. We did not have the evidence of you know, thousands of you know health plan members being assessed by our community pharmacists. So um, it really has changed the story, changed the conversation for sure. Um, so Josh, what do you, so we're making a lot of good progress. I mean, you know, really it's just hit this amazing trajectory over the last year, um, but there's still more work to be done. We all know. Right. Um, so what do you see on the horizon? What do you, what does community pharmacy collectively need to do to take it to the next level of efficient, sustainable service provision?
3: Um, I mean, it's going to sound completely unsexy, but the, you know, the, the, Moral of when you go visit pharmacies, almost all of their first objections are, "I don't have time to do this." Right? Um, it's like working out. Nobody has time until you want to do it and you make time for it. Um, you know, between now and when you have more payers coming on, right now you've got all the bleeding edge pharmacies that are cool. I'm going to do this new thing and I'm going to be amazing at it. Um, you know, in that time frame, all the others need to get up and say, "I'm going to manage my inventory better than anybody else." I'm going to do MedSync so that I free up all these times. So they've got to take this next year before they get left behind to figure out operationally, how do I become as good as I possibly can, as efficient as I possibly can, so that when I do have a payer, like when that payer approaches, if you say I can't do that yet, you're done. Right. And so they've got to spend the next year to really tighten up all those things that they haven't necessarily had to do yet so that when you know that that unicorn payer comes and says hey i want to pay you to do these things they say cool i'll start tomorrow and that's that's the difference
1: Josh, i think efficiency is like the key word that like Really hits home for me there on that because you're right I mean in, in all the pharmacies I talk to, no matter what your interest is there's always that limit of we don't have time to do it and um, the the reality is we have to make the time in whatever way we can and there's always ways to be more efficient in what we're doing and we just have to have an open mind to try to find where that is
3: you know and one other thing that I thought about just now you know and probably one of those things where I would be willing to bet that You guys at Hartzels have a good relationship with providers in your area. You probably know the people in your public health department. Um, This is the time when you go meet those people, right? Healthcare is, without a question, a local thing, right? We always talk about, oh, well, we want the national payer to come and knock on our door. They don't know you, right? Go talk to your regional people, your employers. You know you have a large employer group in the area that's self-insured they're going to be looking for ways to cut costs and if you don't know those people they're not going to come find you
1: yeah i think that's a really good point and just sharing back um, you know through some of that care coordination that we're trying to do as well share back the care that we're documenting with the providers because you know we hear stories of we sent our plans over to the doctors and and they were surprised at what we were doing and then it opened up other opportunities for collaboration with those providers in the area so don't forget that is an avenue that it's great that we're doing it but we need to share that we're doing it too
2: that's really great insight um, a lot of tips there and takeaways I think especially as, as we work locally to launch a new payer contract um, that a lot of those pieces we need to have in place and work with and, and work to support our pharmacies and, and having in place you know before we do that um, as well so um, Kristen you know, we talked a little bit about flip the pharmacy um, and Beyond the SIG really has um, focused on Flip the Pharmacy efforts over the course of this year as well. Um, And we know that that Flip the Pharmacy is really instrumental or has been instrumental in supporting some of these needed operational changes. Um, Can you share how, if a, a pharmacy is listening, they're not involved currently with Flip the Pharmacy, how can they get involved?
1: Yeah, so there's two main things I would say to start with. One, if you haven't connected with your local CPSN or the national CPSN, to absolutely do that because there's so many resources and things that um, is is really going to help you move through making these changes that you need to make in your pharmacies. Um, And and the Flip the Pharmacy curriculum is available to anyone to go out and do, whether or not you're officially part of the cohorts um, that that are out there now. So you can all get that on flipthepharmacy.com. But I would encourage you to, to not try to do that on an island, right? Some of the best um, things that we have seen through this is the connections that we've made with each other and the resource sharing. So, you know, reach out to your CPSN or your, you know, local pharmacy friend who's doing it and and share stories don't be afraid to collaborate with you know your neighbor your other neighbor pharmacies around you because it's truly a team effort amongst all of our pharmacies in the area to be able to do this it's not one of us it's all of us um and we're all in this great position to help each other out and help each other through all these things that we're we're facing with look the pharmacy and different ways to do it and like i said before every pharmacy that i've talked to is completely different from another. And they've all found these unique and creative ways to document and provide care in a variety of different scenarios to their patients through this process. So it's just a matter of go through and, and get started to do it and, and find someone who can help support you through it. Cause it's so easy to say, I'm going to do that, but you know, then I'm too busy. So if you have some accountability with a friend, that's always, that's always a good thing. And, and that's something that on a network level, we can help you out
2: with. That's great. All really good advice. Thanks so much, Kristen. And thank you, Josh, for both to both of you for your time today, your expertise, helping to, to kind of break it down for us. So in a way that we can kind of digest and understand. Um, for our listeners, continue tuning in to Beyond the SIG for more examples of community pharmacy practice transformation.
0: Thanks for listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. Be sure to check back with the Pharmacy Podcast Network soon for the next episode. To learn more about transforming the role of the pharmacist, visit papharmacists.com forward slash podcast. That's papharmacists.com forward slash podcast.